Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. And if you're finding it in your Bibles with me, if you can just repeat after me for a second and say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renew in me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. I want to read a few verses for you. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. And this is what the word of the Lord says for the people of the Lord. I read from the New American Standard Bible. And it reads such as this. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have, re they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go in the inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 7, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. For a moment today, if you allow me, I want to start a brand new series entitled Teach Us to Pray. You may be seated on today. Teach Us to Pray. Uh, listen, y'all know I don't wear suits, so I got I to gotta do, uh, I didn't been in this thing one service. I made it through the whole 830, and it was beautiful. Larry, I hope you got your pictures, because this thing, you done? You good? God bless you. So we can get down to the nitty-gritty. Y'all help me with this, Cam. Get this mess up off me. I'm sorry. I wish I had a pair of Jordans to throw on right now so that we can do what we need to do. Let me go on and get loose. Come on. 1030, we get crunk with this thing. I'm sorry about the wrinkles, people online. Y'all will get through it. Uh, here we go. Matthew chapter 6, dealing with verse 5 through 8. Man, something about not being restricted just makes you feel good about yourself. I feel like I can preach two more services now. Listen, all right, so we are dealing with prayer. Prayer is an essential tool used for every believer. The crazy thing is, although it is one of the most powerful tools that we have as believers, many of us don't know how to use it. Many of us don't know how to use it. And so here it is, having a weapon that you do not know how to use does you no good. Have you ever seen one of those movies where a husband may have a gun and he's a sharpshooter, he's amazing at shooting a gun, and something happens crazy in the house and the wife goes grab the gun, never wanted to pick up a gun, never wanted to fool with a gun, and she has to get it and she has to use it, and the dude is right in front of her and he's like, she's shooting and hitting the wall, hitting everything else because she does not know how to use the tool that is in her hand. She does not know how to use the weapon because she has not been taught. She has not been trained on how to utilize it. I believe that there are far too many of us as believers that are going through things, that are stressing, that are being bogged down, and we're worried and we're concerned, and we don't know how to pray. We have come to church. We have seen people pray. We have been envious of people praying. We've always wanted to sound like they do, but the reality is that there's a part of us that doesn't feel like we have the skills that they have to pray. I love what's happening in this particular text. I love the, the full three chapters of this. I believe it's chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, because this is a, a, a part of the scripture that we call the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus preaching to people. And that, this thing has over 30, 40 different sermons in it that you can learn life lessons. Jesus was literally positioning himself where there was a massive group of people. Not only his disciples were there, this close 12 disciples, there were plenty of other disciples, and they were just sitting there listening. Jesus had the first mega church. And they were listening to the words. And y'all complain about being in church an hour and a half. Imagine being there with Jesus and he just preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching because people wanted the word. 
They wanted the word. They understood that I have problems in my life, and so I'm not going to put God on a timer. Ooh, y'all in trouble. I done took that jacket off now. I'm not, I'm not going to put God on a timer, and as a result of it, I'm going to give him my full undivided attention. Social media can't have me. My mama, my kids can't have me. Athletics can't have me. I want to give God my attention because I've come seeking something. I've been searching for an answer, and as a result of it, I am going to be a sponge that absorbs everything that God has to offer me. This is the sermon. This is what was going on in this particular time. And so people are at full attention. Pastor, why do you share this with me? Because if it was very important for people to be at attention then, it's very important for people to be at attention now. See, sometimes we fail to understand, although we've been a church, part of the church, although the church has grown and we got fancy lights and, and musicians and, and our own buildings, we ain't got to have service outside. We ain't got to be stumping on hardwood floors no more. I understand, although we have grown, sometimes when you grow, you lose something. You lose something. And, and, and so we take an increase, but also as we're taking an increase, we are decreasing some elements, some parts of our lives that we're missing. And I believe that as the church has grown to be a place that people can find pleasure in and they can enjoy, we have lost some of the power. We have lost some of the power. We have lost some of the influence that we really have. We, we want to pack out seats, and we want people to feel good about the worship set. We want people to feel good and make sure that we put people on stage that look attractive and that are appealing to the eyes. We want the best greeters. And we've done all of these things to try to make sure that everybody feels good, that nobody is offended. But catch this. As we have built the church to not offend the people, we have built the church to offend the spirit. We have built, I'm sorry, man, y'all in trouble at this service today. We have catered to people, and as a result of it, we have designed an atmosphere that although it's pleasing to people, it's not always pleasing to God. And so I can't stand here and preach to you and tell you that, oh, it's okay, just say what you want to say. God is going to make it happen. It's not true. It's not true. There, there's, a, there's a rhythm, there's a rhyme, there's a system to what God is asking us to do. If it was not so, God wouldn't have made this particular part of the scripture that says, I will teach you how to pray. When you pray, pray in this way. He has given us an illustration on what to do. But this is what I've learned as a leader. Oftentimes, you can't just tell people to do things because you know it's the thing that they need them to do. Sometimes you got to give them the why. And it irks my blood that I got to slow down and give you the why. Any parent understands what I'm saying. You tell your kids not to do something, you're telling them because you know the outcome if they do it. But they still go and do it. Oftentimes the reason they've done it, because you didn't take a minute to pause and tell them the why. On my job, I'm a safety director. My job is to train all the new people that come to work with us in the disposal industry. And I always train them. And when I first started, I always just had my book, do it this way, do it that way, do it this way. I had the, this is it, step one, step two, step three. And I would expect people to do exactly what I've told them to do. However, what I've come to understand over the years of doing this, people always want to find shortcuts. And so people want to find shortcuts. And as a result of it, those shortcuts always lead to problems. You don't believe me, ask Little Red Riding Hood. They were, she was told the path to go. Y'all know the story. But nevertheless, shortcuts do not work. I had to throw that in there. We got a baby in. She needs to know about Little Red Riding Hood. Okay, so here we go. In my job, when I teach them to do it the right way and, I, and they don't do it what I've asked them to do, they always end up causing something to go wrong. They'll back into a house. They'll flip over a, a, a roll-off dumpster. They'll have an accident because their following distance is not uh, correct. And for some of y'all bad drivers, we're going to pause for a safety tip. I want to make sure that you understand when you're driving, you're supposed to have one second of following distance every 10, 10 miles per hour that you're driving. So that means for you men and women that wants to ride people bumpers and cause accidents back up, you have to wait for them to pass something. And as they pass it, you count one Mississippi, two Mississippi. And then when you pass it, if you're going 60 miles per hour and you pass it, this is a life tip. I'm trying to help your insurance. You, this is how you keep from bumping into people. And so I teach people these types of things when you're driving. I know it seems like you got a mile gap in between you and the car in front of you and you just want to read their license plates and read their bumper stickers. I get it. But you're supposed to have at least five seconds of following distance in between you and the car in front of you. And every 10 miles you're going over 50, you add a second. This is what I teach people. And then people get into accidents on my job. And I ask them, what was your following distance? And they was like, well, man, I had enough space, but this one car swooped in front of me and hit his brakes. Yeah, but I know how fast you were going because I have GPS on your vehicle. You were going 65 miles per hour. Your proper response for your following distance should have been seven seconds. So therefore, 
at any rate, you should be able to stop within seven seconds. So if a car swoops in front of you and you don't stop within seven seconds, that means that you did not back up. You did not give way to them. You did not follow the tips that were presented to you. So this is what I had to do. I had to change the way that I handle things. I got tired of having to fire people because they were not doing what they're supposed to do. So now when I train people, I just don't tell people what to do. I tell them why to do it. I tell them that it's a certain way that you have to pick up these roll-off dumpsters. And at this point, you have to watch it because at this point, it will tilt. You have to balance things out, and we want to keep that thing from happening. So it, it moves from me just telling them what to do to why they should do it. This is what I believe Jesus is doing in, in the text. I believe Jesus starts off before he tells us what to do. Before he goes and tells us what to do in prayer, he pauses and he tells us why not to do it in prayer. He takes a moment in the first four verses, five through eight, and he takes a moment and tells us why we should not pray in certain ways. He uses the hypocrites and the Gentiles. And all of us have been a part of, of, of places where we deal with hypocrites. I don't know about you, but I got hypocrites on my job. Y'all might not have none, but let me describe them to you just in case you didn't notice them. Hypocrites on your job are the people that when you're in the lunchroom and you and you're talking about your boss, and if he say one more thing to me, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to quit, and such and such, this, I'm tired of it. That is a hypocrite. Why does it make him a hypocrite? Because the minute the boss come around, he's like, yes, sir, whatever you want me to do, sir, I'm going to do it. You are not doing what you said you were going to do. You said the next time he tell you to do something, you were going to tell him about his mama and his daddy. But no, the minute he came around, you was like, okay, boss, yes, I'll get that to you right on time. That is a hypocrite. I tell you about these people because just as some of us deal with hypocrites in the workplace, we got hypocrites in the church. Some of us come into church and we come in and we try to present ourselves as if we got everything together. God is good. Um, life is amazing. Such and such, such and such. And then all behind closed doors, we're living a total different life. And so I studied this hypocrite, and I know y'all know what hypocrite is, but I understood that, that a hypocritical behavior is, a, is descriptive of an individual that is portraying to be more than what they are. Being more than what they are. A minute ago, I was a hypocrite because I had that jacket on, and I ain't that dude. I am not more than what I am. I am just a simple dude. I am not that elegant. Uh, I'm not the dude that you want to invite to your Baptist church if that's what you got and I got to wear a suit. It hurts. It hurts my very flesh. And so I have to be true to myself and I have to remove what restricts me. I want you guys to understand that God does not need you to sound good. He needs you to be good. He doesn't need you to sound like you have it all together. He needs you to get it together. And if you're broken, be broken. Because broken people can be fixed. But have you ever seen a broken person that said, nothing's wrong with me? Oh, no, everything is fine. How do you fix that which is not broken? You have to be able to admit that you are broken, that something is wrong. And as a result of it, you need God to work on your life. He needs God. You need God to move in your life. I had to admit I was uncomfortable to get comfortable. I could have tried to preach this whole sermon being uncomfortable, and y'all might have not known it, but I would have known it. I would not have been able to be my best. But because I was able to free myself from any opinion of anybody else, I'm able to do what God has called me to do. God wants you to be free. You cannot be free and be a hypocrite at the same time. You cannot be free and be a hypocrite at the same time. And so there are three things that I believe that the Word of God teaches us, and what he does is he takes time to talk about the hypocrites, and he talks about the Gentiles. He talked about the Gentiles, and the reason why it's important to understand about the Gentiles, because Jesus Christ was viewed as the Messiah for the Jews. He was viewed as the redeeming factor for the Jews. So if you were not a Jew, then you were looked at as you were less than acceptable. And so there are people in the Bible that did not feel like they were able to be redeemed. And, 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 and so when they did find a relationship with God, they made themselves, they wanted to sound as elegant as the Jews. They wanted to sound as educated as them, but they were really just some country backyard hillbillies that didn't know anything except we know God is real, the Messiah is real, and we want to have a relationship with them. And so they tried to act again hypocritical like they wasn't, but they did it in their speech. They did it in their speech, and, and it was very problematic. One of the most precious things for me as a pastor is when I get together with my men's fellowship uh, every second and fourth Wednesday night, and I get to pick a new man to pray. That is one of the best things for me. Some of the men are laughing right now because it's been them. That's one of the best things for me because I always catch them off guard. And they should know by now he's going to pick somebody. And he already did, he already did, he already did. So they leave four of us or five of us in the pool. That, so I got to make sure that I, either I got to step out early or whatever so I don't have to pray. But I pick a new man all the time to pray. And I, I love catching them in this, this environment because they're so vulnerable and it's like a lion looking upon the prey. And I'm just like, 
hey, it's your turn to pray. And so I call them out, and, and I know they ain't going to tell me, no, I'm the pastor. And it's like, you're not going to do that here, are you? Really? At least it hadn't happened yet. But, um, and so I would challenge them to pray. And they'd be like, man, I don't know how, man. I'm like, man, it's so cool. Just pray. Just between you and God. Hey, we got some brothers that they will try. They will try to come with that almost gracious and heavenly father. God, we beseech you right now. We, we got those brothers. And I, hey, God bless you. It's amazing. But then we have those brothers that you know that, listen, man, I don't know when the last time I prayed. And they just hit, they come in there with that, God, um, thank you for being God. And we appreciate you for this meal that we had, God. And bless Pastor and the other brothers, God. And um, amen. And after they do that, I'm like, whoa, baby, that's a prayer. That's a prayer. And I, and I love it because I know it comes from their heart. They didn't try to be anything that they wasn't. And they heard a challenge, and they accepted the challenge, and they wanted to be the best thing that they could possibly be. And they took an opportunity to be in front of people and publicly pray. My hope is that one day all of our men are prayer warriors. My hope that they are so strong that they are ready to pray. And pastor, people are like, Pastor, why are you picking on our men? Because I'm going to be honest, women been praying. That we've been having problems. They've been dealing with us and kids, so they, they had to pray. And so we have not had the opportunity. Most of us, we here because they prayed. And, and, and so I don't have to worry about them just as much. But some of us brothers, just imagine if a church full of men were bold enough to say, I'm willing to pray. I'm willing to pray. Imagine what God would do and how the earth would shift. And so I'm always just encouraging our brothers, man, I want to see you be the best that you can possibly be in praying. But not only do men struggle with praying, sometimes women struggle with praying. Sometimes children struggle with praying. And the reason why many of us struggle with praying, because we don't know how to pray. And so we should be grateful that our Lord and Savior loves us enough that he teaches us how to pray. And before we get into the types of prayer, which we'll be dealing with in the next few weeks, I want to tell you today, my message is simply this, understanding prayer. I want you to understanding prayer. And sometimes the best way for you to understand prayer is to know what prayer is. That's sometimes the best way for you to understand prayer. And so Jesus takes a moment before he educates them on what to do. He essentially removes everything that he does not need. Anything that they could possibly think about and perceive as prayer, he removes it all from it. And, and so to put this in perspective, since I got some Texas people here, it's like a good brisket. We just had a good holiday. It's like a good, a good brisket. Uh, when you go to the store and they have these briskets, in the freezer, uh, and they have this weight, and it's like a 20-pound brisket. And you're like, woo, 20 pounds, that's a lot of brisket. But a, a real barbecue connoisseur knows that when I get this brisket home, I got to trim that fat. There's a layer of fat on it that I need, I need to trim, I need to, I need to get rid of, and, and I have to line it up. I have to make sure my tip is just as well as round as my butt. I got y'all, I'm talking some language some of y'all don't understand. My mouth is salivating right now just thinking about it. Uh, and so we got to get that brisket just, just right. There's a part of it I have to cut away in order for it to render the way that I want it to. Because if I take it from their season and put it on the gr grill as it is, it's not going to render right. Some parts are going to cook faster than others. My seasoning won't get to all the parts of my meat. I won't get my accordion. Some of y'all don't know about that accordion pull. You want to know a good brisket, you got to be able to pull it like an accordion, but it does not break. It yet and still holds together. This, 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 that's a, that is a good brisket. I'm trying to educate you guys. I'm trying to educate you. And, 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 and so sometimes to get to the good stuff, you got to trim away the bad stuff. And so that's what Jesus does in the text. It's good stuff that we're going to get to in the coming weeks. So if you don't get happy off today's message, just hold on, come back again. But I got to get rid of your bad stuff. Because some of you have the wrong expectations of prayer. And this is what Jesus does. He takes verses 5 through 8, and he gets rid of those false expectations of prayer. The first thing that he does is he talks about the hypocrites. They just out there, they front, they on the stage, they making themselves look one way, but they really ain't like that. And then he gets to a stanza where he talks about the Gentiles, and he talks about how they just using a bunch of meaningless words and, and rambling just so that people can hear them. I want to help you understand why this is so important, that we cannot be like the hypocrites that stand before people, and that's their rewards, getting hand claps from people. Amen, you better preach this 
through, that's their reward. Not saying that those are bad things that happen, but some people's intentions are just to get praise from other people. I don't know about you. I'm not praying to get praise. I'm praying to get access to power. I'm praying to get access to God's power. And so my prayer is not to tickle the ears of people. It's to impact, to be my, so that my life can be impacted by God's power. And so there are three things that I need you to know when it comes to understanding prayer. There's three things that we all should understand. And the first thing that I need you to understand is that we have to understand the position of prayer. The very first thing that you have to understand is the position of prayer. And this is not on the screen, but it's worth writing down. As it relates to the position of prayer, what you need to know is humility is a position of prayer, not authority. I need you to understand that. Humility is the position of prayer, not authority. In the Bible, Jesus talks about the hypocrites and how they want to come and stand before people and pray. The reason why they do that is because they want to exert their authority. They want people to feel like they have power that they don't even have. And so as a result of it, they get up and they pray because they want people to feel a certain way about them. That is the biggest mistake that you could ever make is feeling like your prayer is from a position of authority and not humility. This is where I want to catch you because although some of you are not standing on stages publicly and praying from a position of authority, some of you, when you pray in your own personal time, you are praying from a position of authority versus humility. I know, I know that you get down on your knees, you cross your legs, you fold your arms, you interlock your finger. That ain't the position of prayer. I know that you stand and you bow your heads and you close your eyes and you open your palms to receive something for God. That is not the position of prayer. Those are positions that we take to show our humility, and those are great things to do. I oftentimes close my eyes when I'm praying because I want to make sure that I'm not focused on anybody else. I want to focus on God. I want to take myself to a dark place so that me and God can commune and have a conversation. And so I oftentimes do that. There's nothing wrong with doing those things, but the same way I pray publicly with my eyes closed, I can get in my car, be driving down the road with my eyes open and praying and having the same impact and influence with God because I understand the position of prayer. The position of prayer is from a place of humility, not authority. Somebody still doesn't understand what that means. I want to help you understand because some of us, when we go to God, we talk to God like he owes us something. That's real talk. Some of us go to God and we pray to God like we have this almighty authority, like, God, I need you. Just because you put a I need you on it don't mean that you humble. Don't mean that you humble. Some of us go and we try to tell God, I need you to do this and I need you to do that. And, and what we're doing is slickly trying to issue commands to the one that's in control. We need to understand that. And I'm, I'm bringing this to you because I'm asking you to check your prayer life. I'm asking you to check the next time something comes out of your mouth. Are you praying from a position of humility that says, I, God, I'm really in a place where I'm lonely, I'm broke, I'm hearted. Uh, I'm hard-hearted. I don't, I don't know what's next. And God, I need you. I need you to show me. Are you in a place that, God, you know what? Everything is right about me, but I need you to fix them. I need you to fix my husband and my marriage right now because I'm good. I'm, I, Lord, I worship you. I go to church, but I need you to make him better. God, I need you to fix my boss on my job right now because he don't appreciate me. They're not giving me the raise that I deserve. And God, I need you to intervene on my behalf because I'm good, God. I'm your child. I just need you. you. They don't know you, Lord, like I know you. But I want to suggest today that some of us, when we're praying, we're cursing people instead of praying. Some of us are spending time cursing people. Words are coming out of our mouth, and because we're not focused on us, we are cursing others. And we are actually restricting our own growth because God, mm, y'all, I'm sorry. He ain't about to honor none of your foolishness. That is not in the line of his will. This is what I'm trying to teach you. Some of you just got to stay in your lane. When you're praying, the reason why I close my eyes is because I can't worry about nobody else. I will pray for someone, but I'm not going to pray on nobody. I'm not going to pray on nobody. That's not my job. I need to stay in my life. God, show me what I'm not doing right in this relationship. God, if you really want me to stay in this and you want things to work out, give me strength, God. I focus on me. I run my race. See, some of y'all don't understand the importance of running your race. I am now a track father. My son runs track. My daughter runs track. And I prayed for my children before service. I prayed, God, be with them and, 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 and show them away. And, and I'm blessed to have Maddie. And Maddie's amazing. And she does amazing things. And she's, she's a girl. They listen. They do what their daddy says. But I'm also blessed to have Isaiah. 
And Isaiah makes me stronger in ways that Maddie does not make me. And so I prayed for Isaiah. And I gave Maddie some instructions. And I told Maddie, you get out there and you give me everything you got full-fledged. You make it happen. And Maddie will get out there. And she's he, 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 doing her thing. I'm like, that's my girl. Third place, second place. Ooh, go catch up, Maddie. You're doing good. And then I get my son out there. He's naturally gifted. He's naturally able to do it. I'm like, go, Isaiah. You got it, baby. And Isaiah, he'll start out. He'll give it everything you got. And then what happens? Somebody creep up and he'll start looking. He'll start looking. I got a literally, I got a video online. I did not, I, I mean, I got a video. I didn't even want to post it on my baby. He is running. He's beating this dude. He's going. I'm like, that's my boy. And he starts looking and then he, he drifts in somebody else's lane. And I have to tell him, get in your lane. And so he has to then get in his lane. And he spends time correcting himself. He could have been disqualified for going to somebody else's lane. Pastor, what are you trying to sell me? Stay out of other people's lanes. You're focused on other people when you just need to take a moment to focus on you. What is God dealing with with you? Stay in your lane. All of us are treating God like he's a pit bull trying to sick him on somebody. Take your opportunity to say, you know, I'm going to say it again. You're right. I'm going to get right back in the same place and say it again. All of us are treating God like he's a pit bull trying to sick him on somebody. We got to get to the point in our lives where we understand that our prayer life is about the relationship that we have with God. It's about what God can do with us and through us. We have to focus on us, focus on you. And so he tells them, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't get on, don't get on the stage. Don't get in front of people just trying to make a bunch of noise, trying to impress people. Prayer is from a position of humility. Can we get to the point where we're a little bit more humble when we go to God in prayer, where we don't feel like God owes us anything? Where God owes us anything. And that's what God is asking us to do. If you're going to pray, first get into the right position. What is the right position? A position of humility. It doesn't mean that you got to be on your knees. It doesn't mean that you got to be sitting on your bed. You could be literally brushing your teeth and thinking your prayer in your, in your mind. But are you humble? Are you humble in your approach with God, expecting God to do some amazing things on your behalf? The second thing I want to educate you on and bring to you today is that once you understand that uh, prayer is positional, the next thing that you have to understand is that prayer has purpose. We have to understand the purpose of prayer. And many of us don't understand the purpose of prayer. This is why our prayers are not being impactful. We don't understand why we have to pray. And if you don't know anything else, I want you to understand that prayer is the greatest tool that we could ever have because it's an opportunity for us to create, communicate between us and our creator. It's an opportunity for us to communicate with, between us and God. And I'm sorry that people make you think you're crazy because you're talking to yourself, but that's the beautiful thing. You're not talking to yourself. You're talking to God. You're literally talking to God. And this is one of those things where your faith have to overrule what people call is foolishness and you have to just do it because it honors God and God will honor you so if you don't know anything else prayer is essential to every believer because it's an open line of communication between you and your father twice within these three verses God Jesus Christ makes reference to prayer being an opportunity for us to communicate with our father I'm sorry but if you have a relationship with someone but you don't communicate with communicate with them on a consistent basis, the relationship probably won't be as a strong bond as it should be. There are people that have family members that pass away, but they're never dropping the tears. They're never concerned about it. And oftentimes it's because they never really communicated with them. They know that that person was a part of their life, but they didn't spend enough time to communicate, to get close to them and connect with them. And so what we have to understand is that we have a natural relationship with God and we have to be willing to communicate with God. But the catch is in our communication with God, it's not just about us talking. It's not just about us talking. There's something unique that you have to understand. Just as humility is not the position, humility is a position, but not authority. What I need you to understand about the purpose of prayer is this. We have to understand that when we're praying, it should come from sincerity, not from showmanship. That's what we should understand. We should not be showboating when we pray. This is the scripture that references to the Gentiles, that they're using these fancy words. If you don't know what showboating is, it's people that are acting like they are amazing, like, woo, look at me. I got this. And did you see my $7 word that dictionary sent me this morning? I used it in my prayer. Those are those people that are, are showboating about where they are and what they're doing. God is not asking you to be a showboat. God says literally go to a, a secret place. That's what he asked you to do. Go to a secret place. Go to the innermost place. Go to a place where nobody sees you so that he can hear your prayers. 
so that he can know the desires of your heart. No, you don't have to get a special closet like grandma and put prayer notes all on it. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is find that inner place, that inner place that c comes from that sincere place that says, God, I am serious about who I, what I'm asking you to do, and I need you to work on my behalf. The reason why oftentimes we don't experience God's grace through prayer is because we're not serious enough. Y'all want to know a story about being serious? I tell y'all all the time, I struggle about my shoes. I love shoes. I love my shoes, and I struggle about putting them where they belong. And I have a mean wife. I mean, I have a loving wife. I have a loving wife that does not like my shoes all over the house. I mean, I got a loving wife that don't like my shoes all over the house. And so I've gotten better about bringing my shoes out of the places that they don't belong and putting them in the closet. Well, this week, she elected to remind me that my closet is divided into 50-50. I did not know that closets were divided into 50-50. I thought that it was shared space, that everybody had access to everything. And so she reminded me that my clothes and my shoes, well, mostly my shoes, are crossing the borderline. She's saying that your shoes are now being stacked against walls that are on my side and that you did not have permission. There's no passport to allow you access to my part of the closet. And so I have to remove my shoes. From her side and, and and the reason why i moved my shoes and i told her i said baby i'm gonna do it there were previous times i said i was gonna do it and i didn't do it and she ended up throwing my shoes and stacking them on top of each other and if you know me don't play with my kicks and and so and so so, so I, I said you know what i don't want to experience that again so this time when i told her i was going to do it i was very sincere about it and i didn't move from that spot i instantly started pulling down stuff off my top rack that i didn't want stacking boxes where they belong because i was sincere about it pastor what are you trying to show us when you're really sincere about it your actions will equal what you're speaking that's what i want to make sure that you understand the reason why some of us are having a lot of problems in our relationships, a lot of problems with our marriages, a lot of problems on our job, when we're telling people we're going to do better, we're going to change, our actions are not reflecting what we're speaking. Y'all better leave that baby alone. She's helping me preach this message today. I'm just trying to help you understand. Our actions are what helps us reflect that what we're speaking is sincere. Some of us are going to God in prayer, and we're saying some things, but when we leave, we're doing what we want to do. Our, our words are not matching our works. That's tweetable right there. Our words are not matching our works. We're saying, God, I trust you and I believe in you and God, I need you. But our works are saying that, no, I'm going to figure this out one way or another. I'm going to get somebody to help me with this thing. You've just released it to God, but all of a sudden you're still working on it yourself? How? Your words are not reflecting your works. And so what we have to do is we have to get to a point as believers to understand that we have to put our words into actions. How do you put your words into actions with a sincere heart? What I say, I mean. God, I trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to release it. God, I need you. I'm going to depend solely on you. God, I worship you. I'm going to live for you. I want to suggest that what Jesus is leading us to understand, that prayer is a lot less about what you say and a lot more about what you do. I want to really make sure that you understand that. He's talking about some people because he's examining not only what they say, but also what they're doing. And so it's some of us in this room that we're saying the right things. We sound real good. But the, the problem is God is not talking about your audible. He's looking at what he can see with your spiritual. He wants to examine every aspect of you are, who you are. And so as a result of it, you're releasing things and catch this. Somebody's saying, well, I pray, and I pray silently by myself, and I'm praying, and I want people to, I want God to hear me. No, 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 no. Sometimes you're praying so you can hear yourself. Because sometimes your audience of one is not God. Sometimes your audience of one is just you, because you want to check it off your list that I did pray about it. But was it a sincere prayer that means to get to God. This is why some of the folks used to say, your prayer don't go past the ceiling. Because you're just saying a bunch of things. But it's the heart that releases. It's what you mean on the inside. You're praying, God, I want to be the better husband, but really you're just still doing everything that you want to do. You don't understand in order to be a better husband, you got to be a kingdom man first. You don't understand to be a better wife, you got to be a kingdom woman. You got to be a godly individual before I can be better in any way, form, or fashion as it relates to what God is asking me to do. We have to get better. But in order to get better, you have to be sincere. You have to really want change. And if you don't want that change, it's okay. But don't play with God about it. Because you're never, you're going to drive yourself crazy thinking you can manipulate God. If you're going to do what you want to do, just do what you want to do. One of the things that my, um, 
my wife, she'll tell you all the time, I don't know what's up with that dude. He went from being straight bad to straight good. But one of the things I told her all the time is I say, there's never an in-between with me. Whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do it all the way. I'm not going to try to play with it. I'm not that lukewarm dude. I'm either in or I'm out. And so when she prayed to God, she didn't know she was praying for a pastor. She was just trying to pray for her husband to go to church. But she just didn't know that you prayed that whatever I get into, I'm going to give God my all. So if God called me for this thing, you better be ready for the ride. That's why they say, be careful what you pray for. I'm a living, walking example. You might ask for one thing, but you better be ready for what God. This is why we have to seek the wisdom and the desires of God, the will of God. And so we come to a place where we understand that prayer is positional. And that position is from a place of humility. We come from a place that we understand that prayer has purpose. And that purpose is to communicate sincerely to, who God, to God from our hearts. It's not to make up a false lie. Don't sit there and tell God that, God, when you uh, bless me with another job, I'm going to start tithing. He know your heart. You wasn't already tithing with what I gave you. You ain't going to start tithing in. God, if you let me hit a million dollars, I'm going to give 100000 to the church. Don't even tell that lie. He ain't in that mess. Gone and right. We ain't going to hear from you when you hit it. And you're going to fall off the face of the earth. It's just bottom line. He already knows. And so, listen, moving on. And so, understand, two things, position and purpose. Last thing, and I'm going to let y'all go. And this is the part of the message. If nothing else made me happy, this really made me happy. I was very excited about it because I thought God was picking on me because I like to pray. and I like people to hear me pray. But I understand that, yes, I am sincere still in my prayers. I, yes, I do ask God to open doors and make things happen. But I understand that, yes, I am still humble at the same time when I'm speaking to God in those matters. But this is the one key that I understood about prayer. And I understood that prayer is power. I understood that, that one of the things that you have to know is that there is power associated to prayer. Prayer is the key to accessing God's power. I don't think y'all, y'all are not happy because y'all don't understand. The reason y'all don't understand it is because you don't understand who God is to you. The Bible shows us in verse 8, I believe, it says these words, so do not be like them. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the Gentile. And this is the way Jesus closes out. He says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. I don't think y'all understand the significance of what Jesus was saying there. Jesus is the son of God. He could have been very selfish and said, because my father knows what you need before you ask him. But what Jesus does in that text, he includes you into the family. He says, because your father knows. See, now y'all getting happy like I was getting happy. I'm a part of the family. Y'all don't understand what that means to be a part of the family and to have access to God. He says, whatever I got, you can get too. Because your father knows what it needs, what you need before you even ask him. And some of y'all still don't get it. So I'm going to break it down in layman's terms for y'all today. I am a track dad. I've explained that to you, my son. My daughter runs track. I woke up 10 minutes before it was time to leave for the track meet. I ain't going to even lie. I was sitting there meditating and deciding whether I was going to go or not. I heard the stories. It's an all-day process. It's very stressful. It's out in the heat of the day. And so I, I was debating. So I was there, and I woke up just in time enough to brush my teeth, wash my face, literally washing my face while I was brushing my teeth, getting dressed so I can get out the door so she would not leave me. I jumped in the car. I brought my iPad with me so I could finish working on my sermon while I was out there. Uh, didn't bring anything else with me. Just got my iPad. Didn't bring my keys, anything. I got to the track meet, and my wife pulled up and said, I'm going to drop y'all out first, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to get in line with y'all. Didn't know how long the line was. When she dropped me off, she just dropped me and the kids off. I was like, cool. All right, we're here. We're lined up. We're ready. I'm wearing line, and we're ready to go in. When she comes back, she's carrying a tent a chair, she has something else in her hand that like a cooler and just, just making it on up there. She's, she, she's making it, uh, she knows she wasn't strong enough to carry all that by herself, but she was doing it. She got it. And she got it there. I was like, girl, what is wrong with you? I started taking stuff off of it and standing in line. And I'm like, why do you, where do you have this mess? I don't know why we got all this. I've been a part of football games. We don't need none of this. Until I get in the gate. And I see that not only does she have a tent, but everybody else has a tent. I see that there's not enough room in the seats and the bleachers, and so that's why she has a chair. And, and so we pitched the tent, 
and we sit in the chair that I didn't, I didn't bring, but I sit in it because I'm glad that she brought the chair. I brought my tablet to work on my sermon, but never thought I would need a place to sit while I worked on my sermon. And, and I sit there while she's, work, while she's doing her thing and working on a sermon, and the seat feels so good to me that I fall asleep. It feels that good to me that I fall asleep in the midst of the track meet. I, I take a break, I take a rest, and I wake up, and the normal thing that a bear does after he hibernates, he gets hungry. And I say to her while I'm sitting in the chair that I did not bring, baby, I'm a little hungry. What are we going to eat? And she looks at me very calmly, not perplexed, not acting like she was confused. She asks, do you want a hot dog or a hot link? And I... <coughs> Where are you finna get a hot link at right now? <laughs> Do not insult my intelligence. <coughs> Where is this gonna come from? She proceeds to that bag that she was carrying, pulls things out, reaches in, there's a little container, and I'm like, oh, she's gonna give me a cold hot link. I did not know that the container kept the hot links hot. She opened it up and gave me a hot, hot link. I was so happy about that hot link. And I was like, man, you know, the only thing that'll make this thing better is a little mustard. A little mustard and maybe, maybe some chips. She was like, I got you. She goes back to this bag. Y'all know y'all women in these bags. Y'all got something with it. She pulls out packages of mustard and some chips. And, and before I can even ask for it, she says, do you need a drink? The same bag that had things that were hot in it, things that were cold started coming out of that bag. Y'all don't understand what I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to understand when I, I, she knew where we were going, and as a result of it, she knew what I was needing before I even got there. And so as a result of it, she had it prepared for me when I got there. Can I suggest that God already knows where you're going? He already knows what you're going through, and all he needs you to do is to be ready and prepared because when he sees you there, he is already has the blessing that he's ready to deliver you. Many of you are asking God to prove present something, create something, it does not need to be created. As long as he is there, it is there. Y'all, man, I'm sorry. To know that my wife loved me enough that in the midst of what we were going through, she made sure she had adequate supplies, not only for them, but also for me. This is the catch. She could have said, you waited 10 minutes until it was time to get up. You didn't bring a chair, you don't have a chair. You didn't pack a hot link, you don't have a hot link. But she included me. God, even when I don't do what you want me to do, you still include me? You're still thinking about me. You're still preparing a way for me. You're still opening a door for me. We serve a God that includes us. And as a result of it, we have to be willing to understand that when we pray, we don't have to put on a show for God. God knows the truth of what you're going through. God knows that your heart is hurt. God knows that you're broke. God knows that you're lost. God knows that you're confused. And as a result of it, he needs you to just be honest with him. Because he has the answers that you need. But you just have to be willing to say it. This is what I got. This is what I got. And we're gone. It's fancy. I had to get in my Baptist for this. I had to get my Baptist for this. And it simply says this, that when you understand that prayer has power, what you need to understand is this. Prayer is simply clarification through communication, which gives you access to prayer is simply clarification through communication, which provides confirmation that gives you access to God's cooperation. That's the Baptist part of me. Y'all hold on to that. That's a good part. Write it down the four C's. Prayer is simply this. Prayer is clarification. You being honest and openly speaking it through communication, verbalizing it to God, so that you can have confirmation between you and God that you know where you are and I know where you are so that you can access God's cooperation. God, I can't do nothing without you. I can't do nothing without you. I want to clarify that I'm lost. I want to clarify that I'm confused. I want to clarify that I'm broken. I want to clarify that I'm hopeless. I want to clarify that I am in need. And the way that I'm going to do that, God, is I'm not going to daydream about it. I'm going to communicate it with you. I'm going to say, God, I need you to work in these areas of my life. And as an opportunity of me doing that, it confirms that God knows where you are and you know where he is. And as a result of it, you are accessing, you're desiring, God, I need your help. But in order for this to happen, you have to be humble and you have to be sincere. 
But pastor, what were your points? What did you need me to learn today, if nothing else? And when you pray, it's not about putting on a show. It's not a show for others, and it's not a show for yourself. If you really want God to do something with the things that are about to come out of your mouth, the things that are going to manifest in your mouth, your mind, and your heart, if you really want God to do something about it, be willing to communicate with God from a position of being humble and with a heart that's sincere. Humble says that I'm not going to God exalting my authority. You owe me this. I deserve this. It simply says, God, I'm your child. I need this. God, I need you to make sense of this. Maybe you don't want to give me things the way that I want, but I need you to make sense of this. I need you to make sure that I'm in your will. I need you to give me peace. Many of us are trying to remove our problems when all we should be praying for is peace. Pray for peace in the midst of the storm. Try, don't, don't, we can't remove everything. Just God, give me peace. Because I know that your word says you'll never put more on me than I can bear. And right now it feels like a little bit more than I can handle. My marriage is a little bit more. My children are a little bit more. I'm, I'm stressed. I don't know what's next. God, I need peace. And once you reach a point where you can be humble and you know that you're not sitting here yelling at God in your quiet voice, you can find yourself to say, you know what, God, I'm going to be honest with you. I want to give more and I want to do more. I want to be more. But these are some things that's in my way. My preaching is not going to make you better. It may be a tool that God utilizes, but when you get to a point that you can pray and you can be in a relationship with God, those quiet, intimate times are what make you better. That's what builds your relationship. I remember when I met my wife, we were at school, and I met my wife. We were middle school sweethearts, and I met her, and somebody was like, look at her. Yeah, I saw her and everything, and everybody was there, and like, I'm going to get her. Yeah, I'm going to get her, too, and we're going to see what this is going And so all the boys, we were there. We were there. We were there. And um, I remember that day like it was yesterday, and I won. I need to find all their phone numbers, find them all on Facebook. I won. The reason why I say that is because when all the friends who were hoorahing were gone, what made our relationship what it was is what me and her built in private. When everybody else is gone, when Sunday morning is over, what's going to make your relationship what it was is what you and God build in private. What nobody else knows that you and God have been working on, that private. He says, go to your father in secret, for he will answer you. In secret, he will work with you. God has a plan for y'all. God wants to do some amazing things with you. And I believe the way that we access it is through prayer. Humility and sincerity grants us access to God's power through prayer. Let us stand. I pray that this message has been some form of impact to your life. And as a result of it, I want to take a moment to pray with you. I don't want to just pray for you. I want to pray with you. And so what I'm going to challenge you to do today, I'm going to challenge you in this place, amongst others in this place. Your prayer does not have to be extravagant. It does not have to be a whole word. I'm not going to give you a mic and ask you to pray. But if you can find a way to close your eyes, just to bow your head, and I don't know what it is that you want to say, I'm, I'm going to literally tell you, I need you to say it out of your mouth. We have thought a lot of things. But if you're expecting God to do anything in this place while I'm praying, and my mic is pretty loud, so nobody wants to hear you pray, just mumble something. Mumble something to God. If you're expecting God to heal your family, to heal your marriage, to heal your life, whatever it is, if you're expecting deliverance from something, take that opportunity to mumble that thing to God from a place of humility and sincerity as I pray for each one of us in this room. Father God, I thank you for these people. I thank you for their hearts. I thank you for their prayers that are being released from their lips right now. I thank you for those who are watching online. And God, what I'm asking right now is that we begin to shift our atmosphere because now we know what we're doing when it comes to praying. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be fluent. But God, we need you to open up doors. We need you to make a way. God, we need you to provide for us things that we can't even provide for ourselves. God, somebody just ended their prayer right now and let them know that that's okay. That's okay because you've heard their heart. You've heard their heart and they have said enough. God, I thank you for an open line of communication between us and you. I'm grateful that Jesus Christ says that our Father who is in heaven will hear us, that we are a part of the family. I 
thank you that his blood being shed on Calvary has brought us into the fold. So God, I pray for those who are watching right now that maybe has not said yes to Jesus, that has not accepted him as his personal Lord and Savior, that they would do so now, that they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that he is the Son of God, that he was born, died, and rose again so they can have everlasting life. God, I pray for those who are looking for a church home, and God, you have spoken to them and said, listen, this is where you need to be. God, I pray that they find a way to, 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 to be used. I don't, I don't even ask that they fit in because, God, we are an abnormal church. I don't even fit in here, God. And as a result of it, you let them know that their uniqueness is what makes sure that they belong. And so, God, what we're praying is that you continue to touch their hearts and minds. And, Lord, I am also lifting up this opportunity to pray for those who have already accepted your son, Jesus Christ. They're already a part of this family. They're always part of this flow. God, I'm praying that you begin to move in a way that they've never seen you move before because they're understanding what they're doing today. God, we're praying that we unlock the heavens because we know how to pray now. We know that all we have to do is be humble and sincere and we can experience the fullness of who you are. God, raise up a generation of prayer warriors. Raise up of the generation of people that want to stand in the gap for those who don't understand God. Lord, I'm praying that we receive a fresh will, a fresh anointing, that your spirit begins to flow in this place just because we were willing to pray. By your word, it says, if my people will humble themselves and pray, then I will heal the land. So God, we know that land is not just restricted to a physical mass. We know that our families are our territories. We know that our jobs are our territories. We know that our health is our territory. So God, right now, we are humbling ourselves and praying and we're asking God that you begin to heal the land. Begin to move like a fresh wind, God. Make a new anointing in different places, God. And we will be so careful to give you the glory and honor. Because it's not by our will. It's by your will. It's by your might, God. It's only by you that we are restored, that we are rebuilt. And God, we will be able to give you all the glory. We will declare that it was you and only you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. He is worthy. Amen. Listen. What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry, this message has been able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion. You're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at believercity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows to your heart to do so. Uh, you can also download our app by going to Google Play or the App Store and download Believer City Church. And there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give, and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.